slavery and death penalties. This mm. is not the most popular chapter in Scripture, nope. yet here we are in Exodus chapter 21, and we're going to read right through it. All right, and you're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Scott. I'm Junior. And I'll get started with verse 1. These are the regulations you must present to Israel. Now, what may be helpful as we get into this chapter, and that is that we just had the Ten Commandments, which is God's moral law that was given in the last chapter. And he began with a little bit of application directed towards Israel, but the, much of what we have following this in Exodus, as we get into some of the details of what we call the law of Moses, that this is the application of that moral law from the Ten Commandments given to the nation of Israel. So, so much of what we have here is specific to that nation as a theocracy that we don't necessarily take the details uh, as application for us. And there's still great things for us to learn, some principles for us to pull out of this that are helpful, but these were regulations specific for the nation of Israel. And um, so that, that was verse one. These are the regulations you must present to Israel. Now we'll get into verse two. We're going to get into slavery. And I think yeah. it's uh, important to note that slavery was different in the ancient world. And it isn't even that God is endorsing slavery in this. That's what oftentimes people accuse the God of the Bible of the Old Testament as, as endorsing slavery. There's certainly some statements in the New Testament that uh, indicate that slaves should be set free. But in the Old Testament here, we have to remember that slavery was already being practiced, and what God is doing is he's regulating it in such a way that is safety and benefit to the person who is enslaved. The other thing is slavery was different then because it was an entirely different economy and the technology wasn't available. We just didn't have what was available to well, us today. Well, it was a career path. It was. You lost everything. Yeah. It's like, at least you could fall back on just being a, a slave or a servant. Yes. And, and the slaves were, they still had autonomy in a lot of aspects of their life. They weren't treated as cattle, as would have been slave in later times, not just in you know the, the African slave trade, but there was far more uh, slaves all around the world before that time and during that time. And even since, even today, there's a lot of it going on. But the, a lot of the slavery, and particularly when you're looking at Israel, where they had to set their slaves free after a period of time, it was a mechanism for people to support themselves, and yet they were still able to keep their families together. And, they, and also, slaves were paid. It's something Even in the Roman uh, system, slaves were paid. So we, you have to think of it as being different it, uh, than the way we understand slavery because of the more recent experience with it. Anyway, verse two, if you buy a Hebrew slave, he may serve for no more than six years, set him free in the seventh year, and he will owe you nothing for his freedom. Uh, so they were to be set free. If he was single when he became your slave, he shall leave single. But if he was married before he became a slave, then his wife must be freed with him. If his master gave him a wife while he was a slave and they had sons or daughters, then only the man will be free in the seventh year, but his wife and children will still belong to his master. But the slave may declare, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I don't want to go free. If he does this, his master must present him before God. Then his master must take him to the door of it or doorpost and publicly pierce his ear with an awl. After that, the slave will serve his master for life. And so this is what we refer to as a bond servant that was in the New Testament system. In fact, we are referred to as bond slaves or bond servants to Jesus that we, when we become Christians, we voluntarily surrender ourselves to Jesus Christ that's why Paul introduced himself in a number of his epistles as a slave to Christ, a bond slave, one that would have his ear pierced with an owl. When a man sells his daughter as a slave, she will not be freed at the end of six years as the men are. If she does not satisfy her owner, he must allow her to be bought back again. 
but he is not allowed to sell her to foreigners since he is the one who broke the contract with her. Now, can I just say, because this seems extremely sexist, mm-hmm. but this is actually an act of mercy because in the ancient world, especially you know this far back in the ancient world, women didn't have much of a, of a way to... Um, earn an income to support themselves other than, right. other than prostitution. Right. And so what, what God is setting up here is that if you have a, a woman who's a slave of yours and you don't want her, you can't just send her out in the streets for prostitution. You've mm-hmm. got to, you've got to figure out a way then for her not to have that as an option. She had to be option. supported. Yep. Yeah. But if the slave's owner, verse nine arranges for her to marry his son, he may no longer treat her as a slave, but as a daughter. And so then she becomes family. If a man has married a slave wife, takes another wife for himself, he must not neglect the rights of the first wife to food, clothing, and sexual intimacy. If he fails in any of these three obligations, she may leave as a free woman without making any payment. So time and again, these regulations are really in place to protect the slaves and to protect the women involved. Anyone who assaults and kills another person must be put to death. Oh, now we're switching over to the death penalty. Yeah, this is a scary chapter. It's just fitting yeah. for Halloween. Yep. But if it was simply an accident permitted by God, I will it, I will appoint a place of refuge where the slayer can run for safety. In other words, if there was an accident where a person was killed, it was a way for him to be able to plead his cause. However, if someone deliberately kills another person, then the slayer must be dragged even from my altar and be put to death. Anyone who strikes father or mother must be put to death. Oh, man. Woo. Yeah. Anyone who strikes father or mother must I be put to death. I haven't struck you. No, you have not. Okay, I thought that's what yeah, you and, were You know, as much as I joke around about <laughs> Junior, he was he, he was always the most respectful. Um, he, not most, as in all our kids. All our kids were this way. But uh, So I joke around about it. But there was never, I, I really never got any disrespect from you from childhood up through it in your, into your adult years. And I'm trusting that when I get into my elderly years and start losing my mind, that you will continue to be respectful. <laughs> Anyway, kidnappers must be put to death, whether they are caught in possession of their victims or have already sold them as slaves. Anyone who dishonors father or mother must be put to death. I wonder how God feels about the death penalty, because so far we've hit like all these. Yeah. And today they'd be kind of considered a little bit minor crimes, you know, just mm-hmm. like a little assault and battery and all this put to death, put to yeah. death, put to death. Well, there, you know, it was a, it was a uh, chaotic world with just... Uh, the crime was absolutely rampant and you could not hardly travel on any roads in that part of the world without being in constant fear for your safety. Yeah. So, so this, these are groundbreaking rules. Yes. Anyone who dishonors his father or mother must be put to death. Now suppose two men quarrel and one hits the other with a stone or fist and the injured person does not die, but is confined to bed. If he is later able to walk outside again, even with a crutch, the assailant will not be punished, but must compensate his victim for lost wages and provide for his full recovery. And I'll let you pick it up from there, Junior. If a man beats his male or female slave of the club and the slave dies as a result, the owner must be punished. Now, again, that would have been just crazy for back during this time. Because slaves in the ancient world, everything we know of from surrounding nations and even later in the Greek world and the Roman world, that they could put their slaves to death legally yeah. and there would be nothing would come out of it. But if the slave recovers within a day or two, then the owner should not be punished since the slave is his property. Now suppose two men are fighting and in the process, they accidentally strike a pregnant woman. So she gives birth prematurely. If no further injury results, the man who struck the woman must pay the amount of the compensation. The woman's husband demands and the judges approve. But if there is further injury, the punishment must wa- must match the injury. A life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, 
A burn for a burn, a wound for a wound, a bruise for a bruise. Now, essentially, this is, you know, as Christians, we look to this as a pro-life verse because the indication is that if this woman gives birth prematurely and the child dies, that that was in a sense a forced abortion. It's murder. Then it's murder. Then mm-hmm. the life for a life is what he says. If a man hits his male or female slave in the eye and the eye is blinded, he must let the slave go free to compensate for the eye. And if a man knocks out the tooth of his male or female slave, he must let the slave go for free to compensate for the for the tooth. If an ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox, today we could just say like our dog, but mm-hmm. the ox must be stoned and its flesh may not be eaten. In such a case, however, the owner will not be held liable. And, and what the indication here is that you're going to lose something of real value if you're not protecting people from your own animals. Yeah. And there's application for us today that if you've got a the dog or cat or, you know, I don't know, cat, I wouldn't worry about that, I guess. But if you've got a dog that uh, could possibly injure other people, you are responsible for that dog. But suppose the ox had a reputation for goring and the owner had been informed but failed to keep it under control. If the ox then kills someone, it must be stoned and the owner must also be put to death. So God's not joking around with that one. No. However, the dead person's relatives may accept payment to compensate for the loss of life. The owner of the ox may redeem his life by paying whatever is demanded. The same regulation applies if the ox gores a boy or a girl. But if the ox gores a slave, either male or female, the animal's owner must pay the slave's owner 30 silver coins, and the ox must be stoned. That uh, I'm just looking at 30 pieces of silver. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you could probably draw a correlation there. But it's the same. It's really the same for a free person that we had earlier up in this chapter that of Oxford gore by accident, uh, you know, a, a free person or a slave, the ox has to be put to but death. But it is a common, it looks like a common compensation package. Yeah. Suppose someone digs or uncovers a pit and fails to cover it, and then an ox or donkey falls into it. The owner of the pit must pay full compensation to the owner of the animal, but then he gets to keep the dead animal. If someone injures a neighbor's ox and the injured ox dies, then the two owners must sell the live ox and divide the price equally between them. They must also divide the dead animal. But if the ox had a reputation for goring, yet its owner failed to keep it under control, he must pay full compensation, a live ox for a dead one, but he may keep the dead ox. And so what we have here is just and fair regulations for people in the ancient world, a world that's far removed from the world that we live in today. And it's hard for us to even understand what was going on in that world because we are so far from it, but yet this the the sense of justice and fairness that's universal. Yeah, and then we get into Proverbs. So we're in Pro- today's the thirty first. We're going to be reading Proverbs thirty one. Encourage you to read the whole chapter. I think it's a great chapter. It's a great chapter extolling the virtues of a good woman. And uh, in fact, I, I love verse ten. <laughs> I had a friend back in college who he he would just put oh, the you've emphasis told us on the. You've told us on this podcast. Before. Oh, I did. Okay, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, who can find a virtuous woman, a virtuous <laughs> wife? But I, I love this. Uh, and I, you know, I could give this as a tribute to my wife. And I think your wife as well. I mean, she's just a virtuous woman and wonderful. But who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is worth more than precious rubies. And then he extols her virtues and he describes her, I think, in just a beautiful way throughout that chapter. I encourage you to read the whole thing. It's a, She's a beautiful model for women today. And I think that for our young single men that are listening, and and I think also for our married guys to be able to read how this author, and this wasn't Solomon. Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs, but this one was King Lemuel. But I think it also is a great example for what it means to a good woman to express the gratitude and point out 
how much she means to you and what she does for you. Right. Well, it's an it's a what national day of what today? Well, Halloween. <laughs> yeah. So here's a question because I've had a lot of a lot of people have asked Dad in the last yeah. month, especially because uh, we have a lot of new believers yeah. in church. And um, is, is, is Halloween okay? You know, I and I used to think not because I had read a lot of things just on the surface talking about the history of Halloween coming from the Druids. And, you know, I'd read all these things and the, you know, the background of a lot of these things. And, and my, reality, all my daughters came home from school the other day because they have some friends who don't celebrate Halloween. That's, yeah. a, that's fine. But they said, because they say it's Satan's birthday. It's like, well, well, that's it not, wasn't yeah. birth. So I, <laughs> in reality, the, 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 it's all saints day. And in fact, I was talking with somebody earlier in the today about this, that the All Saints Day, part of the reason for the theme of death goes back to All Saints Day because when it was celebrated as All Saints Day, their saints were dead. In fact, if you go to the churches, the old cathedrals in Europe, and I've been to a number of them, or in Latin America when I was in Honduras and Guatemala and visiting these Catholic churches, you see a lot of glass coffins. A lot of the burials are open burials where you still see the bones of the people that were buried and still fully clothed, but then the, you know just a skull and so these cathedrals, these churches are just filled with with these dead saints. I've never bones. seen it. Wow. Yeah, and it, I, it's it is fascinating to see. I've got tons of pictures because it was like what. But so for for these people, when All Saints Day became a thing, their view of saints were skeletons, bones, uh, and that very early on became a theme of All Saints Day as they're dressing up like these saints that they're dressing up like skeletons. Yeah. Now there's no doubt that some of the previous pagan holidays and practices, whether it's bobbing for apples or jack-o'-lanterns and those kinds of things, though, a lot of that stuff that you may read, all the negativity of it, that some of that is just things that people have made up or they've speculated on. The legends are very, very difficult to, tra- to trace and to find out exactly where it came from. But in reality, I, I think that I see this as an opportunity to connect with community. And I don't think that as Christians that we should celebrate witchcraft or anything that is evil. In fact, when we do our family fest, we ask that people not dress up in scary costumes or costumes that would take on the theme of death and destruction or evil. And we shouldn't enter into that. But I do think that things like trick-or-treating and we do a family fest because it's a way for us to connect. I mean, there's no doubt it, it is one of the biggest holidays of the year and everybody gets involved. And so this is an opportunity for us to not simply reject, but I think it's something we can redeem. And as Christians, we can stand out, be different in how we engage with the holiday or the people involved in the holiday. And I mean, Halloween, the meaning of Halloween is hallowed evening. That is the evening of All Saints Day. Hallowed, in fact, the words, the words themselves, hallowed and saints are the same root. So... You might disagree with what we or what he just said, but the truth is, is uh, this does come down to a matter of conviction. Mm-hmm. You might feel a conviction against it, and then I would say, then you should not celebrate it. Absolutely, it should be a if it's a violation of your conscience, then that would be sin yes. to enter into but it. It would also be sin then to be legalistic and to put down those who don't feel the same conviction as you. On yes, that. we shouldn't violate our conscience. We shouldn't also judge others yeah. uh, for what they. Do believe they're doing the right thing That's and right. that you're, they're being a witness for Christ in the middle of this yep. this time. Yep. All right. Well, have a good day today. Maybe enjoy community as people are out walking around, meet some neighbors, yeah. and uh, redeem the holiday. Maybe invite them to church. Yep. Wouldn't that be kind of fun? Yes, oh, some neighbors awesome. come to church because of Halloween. That's right. 
I'm making we'll, a good day. Yeah. Then tomorrow starts the new month. That's right. See you tomorrow.